Morning, everybody. So we have been doing this little mini-series called Prepare for Re-Entry, and I'm doing the fourth and final part of that this morning, which is called Unforced Rhythms of Grace. And that is taken directly from the message translation uh, of the Bible of a passage we are going to look at in a little while. But I'm quickly going to recap you over some of the things that have been said in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we have had Chris Kay spoke to us about the idea of identity. If we want to prepare to be our best selves in this next season, it has to be rooted in identity. And he talked about the fact that comes from knowing who we are, whose we are, and what we were born for. I mean, there's, there's months worth of teaching in that alone. If you didn't watch it or listen to it, then do listen to the podcast. And then one of my other favorite Chris's, Chris Tatton, spoke last week, and he spoke all about how we spend our time. And he gave some amazing advice about where we invest and basically said, you're not just investing in you and your life, you're leading a legacy. The decisions you make now about how you spend your time will have echoes through the legacy of the generations that come after you. It was brilliant. And he spoke about the fact that we can invest our time in God, invest more time in people than things, and invest time in the things that make you come alive. So that's where we've come so far. And really, Chris Kimmons talked about identity. Chris Tatton talked about priority. And then what I'm going to do today is talk about how we take identity and priority and put them into rhythms in our life that help us to thrive. So, as I said right at the beginning, I've actually taken the title Unforced Rhythms of Grace straight out of the message translation of the Bible. So this will come up in the comments for you, but if you have a Bible at home, it's Matthew 11, 28 to 30. And Matthew was one of the books of the Bible written about Jesus' time on earth. And in this part we're picking up from, he's just been talking to his disciples and giving them instructions about how they can go and bring life to other people and do the things that he's been doing. And then he's got a, a bit of a crowd that has gathered around him. So he sent the disciples, the crowd are around him, and this is what he says to them. Are you tired worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. There is so much in there. I would encourage you actually at some point this week to just sit with that passage and chew on it for a little bit. There is so much in there. And the reason I love the language of the unforced rhythms of grace is that it totally flew in the face of the culture at the time when it came to following God or church or religion completely flew in the face. The way that religion was set up in those times where Jesus came was that it was all about doing the right thing. It was all about trying hard. It was all about getting it right. It was all about following the laws to the letter. It was about musts and shoulds. And that was the way that the religious leaders at the time believed was the best way to connect with God. Get it right. Do it right. 
And then in comes Jesus with this radical message that says, it's not about getting it right or doing it right. You're already enough. And do you know how you can really connect with me? Is come and rest with me. Come and walk with me. Have a relationship with me. There's no textbook. Come and have a relationship with me. Learn what I'm like. Hear what I say about you. It was absolutely radical in the culture at the time. And as I said about the things we've looked at in this series, identity and priority, if we base our identity and our priorities on a foundation of shoulds and musts and trying harder and effort and being enough or doing enough, it will crush you. Jesus starts this passage by saying, are you tired? Are you worn out? If you base the foundations of identity and priority on those things, it will crush you. But here Jesus comes with a message that says, if you put the foundation of your identity and your priorities into a foundation of acceptance, of unconditional love, of destiny, of hope, that will give you a life that he describes that you can live freely and lightly. And I don't know about you, that is definitely the kind of life that I would wanna live. So how do we get these unforced rhythms of grace in our lives? How can we actually see those things happen? And it is worth saying at this point that unforced is not the same as unintentional or accidental. I think we can be highly intentional about putting these rhythms. Unforced doesn't mean you don't have to think about them or put some structure in. It just means there's an ease that comes with those. And I'm basically stealing Mars's old marketing strategy this morning. Uh, so we're gonna talk about three things. We are gonna talk about work, rest, and play. Those are the things we're going to look at in terms of rhythms. And what I would say is they are not absolutes. There's actually quite a lot of overlap between these things. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. So first up, we're going to talk about work. Now, I believe that everybody was born on purpose and for a purpose. It absolutely runs through my value system. Everybody, everybody was born on purpose and for a purpose. And this, Chris spoke about this in his talk. And whilst we are comfortable often talking about purpose or destiny, the idea of talking about working for or working with God can feel a bit uncomfortable. We like the idea of resting with God or playing with God, but working with God, like working talks about maybe striving, and you're like, but Nick, you've just said this isn't about striving. But you know what? The Bible talks loads about work. I, I think we're wired for work. We are wired that work is the way we fulfill our purpose and our destiny. But it doesn't have to be something that is heavy or ill-fitting, as Jesus describes in that passage. And I think the absolute key is found in this slide, which is coming up now in Colossians 3, 23 to 24. It says this, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. 
you are serving the Lord Christ. Work for him. So here is my question, who are you working for? Who are you working for? Are you working for the approval of your boss or your superiors or your line manager? Are you working for a sense of personal gratification because it makes you feel valuable or like you're contributing? Are you working for the security of provision to be able to provide for your family or your loved ones? Maybe you're working for status or position. And maybe for you, work is just a great way of being distracted from your home life. But I would suggest that if you work for God, suddenly the concept of work being a striving thing can dissolve. Because when you're doing it for him and with him, as he says in that passage, you can learn to live freely and lightly. I went to um, a brilliant talk back at a festival called New Wine a few years ago, and I will never forget something the speaker said. The speaker asked the question of, what would it look like if you lived only for an audience of one? He said, what would it look like if you lived only for an audience of one? Now, I'm someone who really wrestles with what people think of me. I'm definitely becoming a more redeemed version of that. But it's something I've always been worried when I act, when I speak, when I do something, I'm wondering, what will other people think or say? But what would it look like if we did our work as though it were for an audience of one, knowing that God is already pleased? He is already cheering you on. He is for you and he is with you. And it's interesting for me that the way that Jesus says this in this moment about work is that he doesn't seem to think it's the opposite of rest. We often think about working and resting, but that's not how he says it. He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. That would suggest that it is entirely possible to be at work or working and have a heart position of rest at the same time. That is an unforced rhythm of grace. And I love how he says, watch how I do it. Because do you know what? God is the best parent, the best accountant, the best doctor, the best architect, the best builder. He's the best teacher. He is the best provider of goods and services that you will ever, ever meet and encounter. So if you want to learn about how to be the best at your job, then join your life with him. Keep company with him because he has got all of the keys for you thriving in a place of work. For Jesus, his rhythms included prayer and worship, reaching out to others, speaking life over people, pursuing justice, teaching and equipping people. And I would say the key to us finding those rhythms is in this, which is that rhythms are rooted in habits. Rhythms are rooted in habits. You can't just wake up one day. This is so what I would love. Chris will tell you. I am like a Peter Pan wiring mentality, where basically I just want to wake up and for everything to be brilliant and perfect and for me not to have had to try. 
So I love the idea of just waking up and these rhythms are in my life and I'm suddenly ready to go. But instead they're not, they're rooted in habits. They're rooted in taking small habits and making them transformational for how you do life by joining it with Jesus. So I have a question for you. What would it look like for you to keep company with Jesus, as it says in that passage, at work? Maybe take a little look, a little analysis at your work, your hours, your routines, what happens at work every day, what are the structures, how does your working life look, because it will look totally different for all of us. And then ask that question, what would it look like for me to join my life with Jesus in my work? For prayer, for worship, for showing compassion, for pursuing justice, for speaking life over people. And then just start with one thing. Just do one thing. In fact, you could be really brave. You could write it in the comments and make yourself accountable to everybody that's watching. And then they can ask you, what a great idea. What one thing could you do at work to sow into a rhythm that connects your life with Jesus? Maybe you want the courage to pray for people at work or in your lunch break to decide not to sit at your desk with your lunch, but to walk around the block and to pray and to worship so that God can reveal something to you as you go back to your desk. I love a very, very quick story. Um, Susanna Wesley, who was the mother of John and Charles Wesley, who are amazingly influential within the history of Christianity in this country. She had 11 children. Believe me, her work was being a mother. Please, if you are watching this and you are parenting as your job, don't ever diminish that as a role. Um, it is a critical one. And she had 11 children. And do you know what she used to do? She had a strategy where if she pulled her apron over her head, the children weren't allowed to talk to her. And it's because that was her moment to commune with Jesus. And John and Charles Wesley speak of time after time of how they would find their mother in the kitchen or in other places with her apron over her head because she knew the best way to do her work was to do it with Jesus. I love that. So moving on, that's work. Very quickly, on to rest. Now, I really am briefly talking about this because many, many books by many brilliant authors have been written about rest. And I'm going to give you a quote from one such book now, uh, which is by Alex Sujong King Pang. He wrote a book called Rest, Why You Get Done, Why You Get More Done When You Work Less. And so this is what he says. If you want rest, you have to take it. You have to resist the lure of busyness, make time for rest, take it seriously, and protect it from a world that is intent on stealing it. How true is it that we live in a world that is trying to steal rest from us? The busyness, the frenetic activity, the value that we put in being busy because it makes us feel important or significant. But if we want to create unforced rhythms of grace in this next season, we don't just have to take rest, but we have to value it and we have to champion rest in ourselves and in other people as well. Uh, an old boss of Chris's gave some brilliant advice to him, which is take a rest a day, a rest a week, and a rest a year. And that those rests look different, a short rest within every day, a longer rest within the week, and once a year a more significant rest or holiday or time away from everything. It's great advice, 
But if you do it without Jesus, you'll never really feel the potential of it. What does resting with Jesus look like? For me, it looks like slowing down my head. That's what that looks like. It looks like switching off technology. Uh, I have a subscription to a magazine called Simple Things. Um, and basically, it has the most ridiculous articles in it about things like the origin of the swimming costume, like things that add nothing to my life in terms of intellect. But you know what? There's something about rest of just breathing deeply and just having things that don't demand something of you that you can enjoy. And something I am not naturally wired for, but I am wanting to improve at, and I am improving at, is something Jesus held very dear when it came to rhythms, and that was silence and solitude. Just allowing yourself to be in times of total silence, times where you're on your own. And I may need Chris to help me with this quote, but um, there's a book called Leading on Empty, and in it he said you need to seek solitude before you crave isolation. That's it. You need to seek solitude before you crave isolation. Now, we've just been in a whole season of isolation, and it's not a lot of fun when you're past the novelty. But seek solitude before you crave isolation. So I'll ask you that same question again. How can you join your life with Jesus in moments of rest? Maybe write it in the comments again. Make yourself accountable. Phone a friend. Send a text. How can you join your life with Jesus in moments of rest? Pick one thing and do it. Don't pick a thousand because you're just setting yourself up to fail. Pick one and then do it. And finally, something that I find is more comfortable in my life is this last one of play. And you might say, Nick, that's a really weird thing because like play, surely that's rest, right? Rest and play, they're the same thing. I don't think they're the same thing. I think you can achieve one and the other together, but they're not the same thing. And my favorite definition um, of play is uh, from the play therapist professional body in the UK. I looked at some different ones and this was the one I loved the most. It says that play is a physical or mental leisure activity that is undertaken purely for enjoyment or amusement and has no other objective. Basically, play is pointless. It's pointless and purposeless. And one of the reasons it really matters is that God is massive on enjoyment and pleasure. I grew up with some really weird thoughts about God being a bit serious all the time because he had such a serious job to do. So he must just be serious all the time. But what I have learned is that God loves pleasure and enjoyment. And actually, he finds his greatest pleasure and enjoyment in us, which I find mad. So what do you do which is just for your enjoyment? Um, one of our best role models in our family is our dog, Lola. Now, some of you know the story of getting the dog. I haven't got the time to go into it. Chris was not the keenest, I would say, on uh, getting a dog. Uh, I think that's 
that's gentle. Um, he was like, we are not getting a dog. And then he made a really beautiful family decision, which was for the sake of the rest of us, he said, we'll get a dog. Um, he's still not over it, in honesty. We're four years in, and he's still not over it. But one of the things we learn from our dog, Lola, is when we get to the park and we let her off her lead, she hasn't set herself a steps goal. She's not doing it for exercise or to keep fit. Uh, she's not set herself a goal of meeting a friend and hanging out with a friend, although that often happens. We let her off the lead and she just runs and jumps and sniffs and plays for no reason. And very often, Chris and I are looking like, what is going on in her head? Sometimes she just runs in circles for no apparent reason. There's not even any other dogs there. But she has, she embodies this sense of play, of just enjoyment and fun and freedom and living freely and lightly as we saw in that passage. So I asked you at the beginning uh, of the service today, what do you do that's just for play? Uh, Kirsten says singing, Judith said watching the sea, Trisha says she's got an art app, Nikki says gardening, Charlotte said journaling. Things that aren't purposeful, they're just for play and enjoyment. And my final question to you in that this morning is this, which is, how can you join your life with Jesus in play? Even at your busiest times, how can you create unstructured times just to play and have fun with him? Turns out he's really big on fun and he loves to have fun with you. So really, that is what I want to land this series on, which is the idea of this, which is that rhythms are rooted in habits and how can we put those habits into our work and our rest and our play to join our lives with Jesus? I encourage you to do one thing this week that puts an unforced rhythm of grace into your life. Because I believe as we put one after another after another rhythms into our lives that we will find the life that Jesus spoke about in that passage which is free and light. I'm just going to pray to finish. Father, I thank you so much that you not only love us, but you love to do all things with us. That you are not someone who is on the sidelines waiting for us to tag you in at the right moment, but that you love to be with us in our work, in our rest, in our play, in our homes, in our workplaces, with our families. That your desire is to, for us to keep company with you at all times. Help us in this coming week, month and year to use the opportunity we've been afforded by this pandemic where life has been so disrupted that all our usual rhythms are in the air and we now have an opportunity to create new rhythms. Help us to do it with intention so that we can discover unforced rhythms of grace. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.